Listening to Letter to a Black Girl, a podcast that celebrates the best of black British women. I'm your host, Gloria Onitari. Hello, hello, it's me. Yes, it's Gloria Onitari, and we are back with Letter to a Black Girl. And it is the final roundtable of the season. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that we're here. What a thing. What a thing. Anyway, to sign us off this season, we have two gorgeous boss lady women with us. Firstly, we have been so blessed to have the captivating, calming, and creative presence of Miss Chia Phoenix, spiritual mentor and healer. We literally fell into a conversation together, guys, this weekend on the phone. We were on the phone for about an hour. And it was quite simply, and honestly, it quite simply remained one of the most empowering ponderosas that I've had in a very, very long time. We are so blessed to have you here. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. And then, well, okay, you're going to hate me. I've seen this because... It's been a while. (laughs) I'm sick of this because I just realised that when you slice our names together, you get my mum and I's all-time favourite. Yeah, it is. We get Auntie Gloria. (laughs) (laughs) It is, guys, it is the delicious Dawn Estefan. B-S-C, Dip H-E. MSC, psychodynamic, psychotherapist. I mean, you're a writer, you're a trainer and a speaker and all of that. The list is endless. Wow. Um, And I recently saw that you've been shortlisted as a finalist, as a, a thought leader in the Baton Awards. I mean, no, no, I mean, you're laughing, but what excites me about you is the fact that you're unafraid to challenge and expand uh, people's minds around the issues of mental health and and therapies you know yes please I was so thrilled that that you agreed to do this and wanted to join the table because I really wanted to have a sister that was able to shed light on the issue that African and Afro-Carib people when they recall themselves share and and seek help to expand awareness of themselves that in doing that the treatment of that needs to cater to the fact that they speak from a place that is embedded in their own heritage, cultural realities. And the fact that you champion that is amazing. And I just think it's really important for you to have a platform to speak on uh, and for people to hear from you. So ladies, thank you for making the time to be here. No, thank you for having us, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After all of that, oh my God, I need a glass of wine. Anyway, so so how are you guys doing? How's, what's, what's been going on? I am not too bad. Well, we're in this so-called lockdown too, which isn't too bad. It's not going too bad, actually. I mean, I'm only really working a couple days a week. One's kind of on Zoom. The other is in person. I'm glad that I'm still able to remain in contact with the young people mm-hmm. that I'm working with. because I'm very concerned about young people at this time, just their, their state of mind and how they've just kind of received everything that's been going on out there. Energetically, it's a bit cray-cray. <laughs> 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 to say the least um <laughs> and it's been like that for like well it's been like that since kind of the beginning of the year but it's just like another wave comes each month another wave another wave another wave so it's just been becoming a master of how you ride that wave i think you're right i think people have been spinning out over this this year it's been it's been it's been big baby Mm-hmm. It has been really been big. It's been emotional. And I, what you realise is a lot of people's, um, you know, their perspective, everyone's perspective yeah. is different. Their, their, their individual reality is different. Mm-hmm. And trying to 
navigate with people's new realities based on how they see everything is what I've found the most hardest because even whether it's either family members or friends yeah. everybody feels different about what's going on so it's like everyone's on a different page of the same book mm-hmm. no absolutely all the everything outside just suddenly got like real quiet and then all the noise inside in terms of the work I was doing all the mental noise just increased tenfold mm-hmm. and what I uh, recognize a kind of pattern of was people started to there was something about being sent to your room right oh yeah, 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 yeah in the house but there was something quite big about this kind of big om- omnipotent parent saying the government saying to you right go to your room and and i think people tended to start to uh regress to a different part of their life and i was noting with noticing with clients and friends as well that they had different stages some people were back in teenage years um, some people went back much earlier than that. Real kind of early behaviour. But it, it was really interesting for people to start to kind of put that, put those, those patterns together, recognise where it took them back to, mm. and to perhaps ask, them, ask themselves at that time, what did that version of myself need? Yeah. Mm. And then to cater to that version of themselves, mm-hmm. to be able to come to some sort of a some sort of position of comfort yeah absolutely. yeah I, I think you're right there you're absolutely spot on with that dawn because for myself as well doing the spiritual mentoring mm. a lot of people's inner child stuff came up you know mm. and i'm always having to help people to support how they hold that part of themselves absolutely. while they kind of go through their you know they go through their process of healing absolutely. and most people have never been still to hear anything Absolutely. So it's that's why it's being very frightening for some people because you they were keeping busy to stop to to not allow uh, whatever was going on inside their heart to take over, and then everyone went still. And it didn't matter whether or not you had a busy house or you was a house on your own, your thoughts were still loud. As you know, I get each of my guests to do a little bit of homework and get involved and write a letter to their younger selves. So it is that time. Do I have a taker for going first? I, I'm happy to go first, Dawn, if you'd like. There's just the two of us, it's okay. <laughs> okay, you ready? Okay. Dear little me, and to all the younger reflections of me, you are a divine, beautiful, magnificent, wise beyond her years growing woman. Yes, you are a womb, Anne, a creator, a future mother guide for younger generations. Put your hand upon your womb now. Breathe into this space and feel the magic of your wisdom. It all lives in there, all you know and all you will come to know about who you are and the mysteries of the cosmos. Your womb connects you to your mother, grandmother, great-grandmother and many great mothers in a generation line that goes way back to the beginning of time. Their wisdom lives in yours too. As you grow, the world will try to steer you away from your wisdom, your intuition. It will try to silence your IGS, your inner guidance system, disconnect you from your body to dismantle your power. So you must always stay interconnected to the seat of your soul in your womb space. Keep it cleansed, warm and ripe because being a creator comes with responsibility. You can cook whatever you want in there and bring into your reality. Your hardest challenge will be men. Your womb, your chi will allure them. So you must be very, very mindful about who and what you let pass through your sacred vortex. There are many spiritual energies that will poison, disturb or unsettle the altitude of your womb. So please, in the name of pleasure, pick wisely. You are a receiver, but not everything and anything you must receive. Now put your hand on your heart. You must cherish its wishes no matter what anyone says to you. Let your heart lead and walk in conjunction with your womb. Logic will be needed at times, but allow the heart and mind to converse before conclusions and your womb will confirm the right way. You are sacred. You are the black gold of the sun. You are a melanated seed growing in the green arms of Mother Earth. Never forget the heart of the earth beats in rhythm to your own heart. There will be many times that you will feel you are alone and you are not wanted here or worthy. In these times, climb back into your womb. Invite silence in and reconnect back to your mothers. Remember the wisdom is there to see you through. Walk with your eyes up, head up, back straight. You are sovereign, you are enough. 
you will pass on the baton. All you are and all you need are destined to be will come to pass. A shale, a shale, a shale. Spread love, be love, one love, cheer. Mm-hmm. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we'll come. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it a bit. Dawn, <laughs> you're up. Can you just give my my soul a minute to settle? Yeah, no, I I'm know. sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was it was deep. It really was. Beautiful. So myself, you were born learning to push boundaries in that birth, and she planted the seed of struggle, survival, deep inside the earth of your existence. And from her rotting flesh, a flower will eventually grow. But you will have to learn that those who love you will also hurt you. And you will learn that even if this seems like forever, it will not be. And you will learn that there are several shades to black and that you will comfortably camouflage into its many tones until you arrive at one that allows you to shimmer and shine, clearly balancing black and blackness, understanding both in tandem. But there will still be those who see you only through a clouded lens. But sometimes those that love you will also hurt you. I'll tell you now that you are beautiful a word which will be denied you for some years to come. And sometimes you will be the one to keep its power at bay. Over the next few years, you will enjoy and destroy, mostly yourself. Mostly yourself, you will learn to be. You will find a tribe with whom you can catch a vibe and celebrating with intention yourself in every stage at every age. Once you are free from the need for freedom and can just be free, and then maybe finally have learned that those who love you simply do. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh, ladies, Dawn, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful, Dawn. Like, the, yeah. I've got chills because that is something that younger people and part of our younger selves needed to know so that we didn't spend so much time worrying about if people did love us or not. I think a lot of the things I wanted to talk about, because obviously this episode is about like sex, love and relationships and stuff. And and I think you've you both really dived really, really hard into those topics. And um, we're into the, this question about love and what that is. And um, one of the things that I wanted to ask, which is, I think, in relationship to what you're talking about right now, is about what you think that love looked like when you were younger and how complicated that can be for some of us because what our parents had to offer us it's confusing because you see a Hollywood version of love mm -hmm. of what that should be. And then your parents are doing another thing. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that is love. That is love. Mm -hmm. That's the only way they can love because that's all they have or that's all they were shown, mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't kind of compute with what you think it should be. So I guess, yeah, my question is really about like what you think love should have looked like when you were younger and how has that impacted the way that you love now? I think it's got a lot to do with not just where you grew up, but just also what time, what the times were like when you, when you were growing up. So I am uh, happily in my 50s now. And I know that in terms of what love looked like, you say about a Hollywood version of love, well, one, I don't think I watched that much films in, in that way when I was a youngster, growing up sort of like late 70s, 80s, um, London. But what I do know was that in terms of like romantic love, for example, there wasn't really any representation of what love for people who look like me looked like. Not really. And then when I 
sort of to go full circle and come back into what was available in the home in terms of maybe again looking at romantic love or looking at the relationship maybe between my, my mother and my father there was no nothing for me to hang on to particularly there either and then I think about the representations that I was given at school so for example with you know you sit there on that mat where they tell all the stories and all the you know the Grimm's fairy tales and, and all that stuff and the only message that I really got at that time was that there was no prince coming for me because I didn't look like any of the princesses. I didn't have long golden flowing hair, although this is uh, innately quite possible these days. <laughs> but you know, there just really wasn't much. And I, and I think about that a lot now. And, uh, and when I think about familiar love as well, I run a black women's psychotherapy group and it's an intergenerational group. So very young, I think the last group I did, the youngest was like 22 and the eldest was 76. And there's lots of stories about what love looked like for us as black women. And loving the family is also laced with violence, is also laced with loneliness and isolation and, and struggle and a lot of very difficult things. Now, I'm not saying that that's all that exists because I don't believe that we for one minute come from a space that's only filled with lack. I think there's plenty <laughs> for us to feed upon with each other. But I'm, you know, in general, I'm thinking what was around when I was growing up and I'm just like, well, music is what gave me my representations. Then I could place whatever faces and whatever characters I, I, I wanted. And that something that's just come into my mind right now is um, I remember watching um, Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. It was Top of the Pops, and Marvin Gaye was walking along this sort of aisle, and then there were women on each side, and they were screaming, and they were all trying to touch him. And I remember, <laughs> and I remember saying to my mum, what's, what's he got then? <laughs> I couldn't quite understand why everyone wanted to touch this man. <laughs> No, I really understand what he had now, but <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. What no, have just, you got? <laughs> I just think that you know. I just think that I, I'm still asking myself that question. But anyway, um, and not about Marvin. But what I would say is, is that I think much of what I saw as love came from from music and came from books. And so that that then placed love in a very magical space, yeah. which is helpful, but not mm. when it comes to facing the realities of what love can be. Mm. This gave me a, such a memory. <laughs> you talking about Marvin Gaye. It just made me remember my first, I guess, I guess the first time, you know, you look at someone and think, hey, what are you about? And I think it's Bobby Brown. My sister's had the, oh my his concert on video. Yeah. He's swinging his hips, mad prerogative. And there's a bit where he goes, ma, 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 ma. And you know, his hips just go in. And I was just like, <laughs> what's that? And you know, because, so with my sisters, my sisters are 12 and 14 years older than me. So they're in your generation, right? Yeah. So they're growing up listening to what they listen to. So whether they're lovers rock and all of that and, and yeah. watching them get ready to go out and stuff and being like, this, I'm going to go, I'm going to be just like that, yeah, you know, yeah. when I go up, grow yeah. up. And everything, I mean, everything you said, I resonate with just being, I guess, 10 years behind. So I'm 40 and growing up mostly in the 80s. So my love song genre was the 90s. And now when we look yeah. back at what those people were singing about, I'm rather surprised yeah. at what I was singing. Like how, how, were they, how were they getting away with those lyrics? Because I used to sit in the car and my mum would be like, stop singing that song. You know, like, I, I was just like, do you even know what that means? But I like the tune and I'll be singing it. You know, I wanna sex you. <laughs> and I'm like, back in the car and I was like some eight-year-old singing this. Gloria, I did not know what SWTV, SWB's downtown was talking about. And so very old. I wanna go downtown. Downtown. <laughs> And Mary's, all Mary's songs just made yeah. me feel like I was, I was really going through the breakup. So I, it was yeah. really real um, listening to music. And I guess that's what our connection is, isn't it? Through music. Mm -hmm. And 
you know what you said about the times because i just started watching uh the mangrove nine yesterday and seeing yeah. that time you know it gave me memories of oh gosh this is what our love looked like you know it was music and carnival and people coming together and all those types of things yeah. but you know like what dawn said it's right you know it's, it was tainted by mm-hmm. the realities of our parents being probably first generation coming from wherever they came from and needing mm. to survive here and in this cold environment which then created cold attitudes and cold feelings towards yeah. each other and everyone else what i'm hearing is that there's a version of love that one's got but it's fraught with a lot of ten- there's a lot of tension there's a lot of not being able to move forwards properly with a real version of it because there's so much drama surrounding it which then that needs to be kind of moved out of the way so that one can just survive. So the love that we get handed down essentially is love. It's what's left. To just survive. And it's, it's what's not, left. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's what's left of your parents. Edited. Exactly. Or it's just really badly edited. Exactly. That's, I've got, I think that's what I'm trying to get to because it's yeah. like I'm hearing all this really lovely, glorious stuff, but then, you know, how much of that actually was experienced and how much of that is just memory. Cause you know how memories are, you know, memories change as you get older, but so when we dive into the memory and we think about it and we talk about it, and you guys know this better than me, like it starts to fill you up. Mm. So then it makes you feel like it was bigger than it was. Mm. And actually maybe it was actually only a tiny moment. Mm. And that actually, the, do you know what I mean? The friction was more so present than, and the, the kind of, uh slightly more um structured you must do well you've got to survive kind of love was actually the thing that you experienced i talk about sex loads with my white girlfriends but with my black girlfriends we don't talk about it and it's it's what we talk about it but it's there's a bit of a taboo around it and i don't really get that i don't understand that And obviously the the perception of sex and sexuality, it changes as you grow and and cross generations, you know. But I mean, what do you wish you were taught about sex when you were younger? I think when it comes to talking about these subjects, you take on the version that how your mum was, right? So my mum being a Jamaican mother was very, I wasn't allowed to do this. I wasn't allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. A girl sit down and she keep her leg closed. I wasn't even allowed to sit with trousers with my leg open. She was telling me that I'm acting like a woman in a fisher market. Do you know what I mean? These things would just roll off their tongue. Yeah, definitely. I would say growing up as a as a child of Caribbean parents and having spent part of the childhood living in the Caribbean as well, there is a lot around sex and shame as well. And I think that a lot of that shame has got is intrinsically linked in in colony and all the stuff that's right. gone on to make to make you feel ashamed and to make you feel undesirable and dirty and all those things as well. It's also about safety, I think. Um, it's about keeping our girls safe. So regardless of whether you're from the diaspora or whether you're from, um, from the motherland, you will find that there are certain narratives around things that keep you chased. That's, that's the purpose of them, to keep you chased. Um, myself growing up, I went to, not only did I go to an all-girls school, I went to a convent. So you know they're the worst. Right? <laughs> I went to a convent girls' school. As I hear you clearing your throat. <laughs> Don't frustrate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and I, I had very, um, I had very, very, my mum my was very, very strict um, with us as we were growing up. However, I think there's one experience kind of as a young woman and finding yourself and all this stuff, like when you, when you get chastised, it's, it's always with the really like language that is just so painful and so destroying, you mm-hmm. know, Fisher woman. The, I remember I wore an ankle chain once and I was told that I looked like a harlot. Right? <laughs> so I, was like, I didn't even know what a harlot was, <laughs> but only, you know, only women of the night, really kind of quite old fashioned, quite fragrant descriptions of, you know, of loose living and uh, loose knickers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I grew up, I think that actually it became, it was the absolute opposite because then I was so curious and so uneducated about sex. So I was a bit, I, I'm, I'm a bit nerdy, always have been, but there's, at the same time, I was very curious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave out a little space there because I'm trying to decide whether I want my mom to listen to this or not. <laughs> 
look, that's even there. But I say, I'm still scared of her. Right? Yeah. See, and that is that is also something that still sits within yeah. us. Yeah. In, um, you know, your mother's approval. I mean, I grew up with so many ridiculous thoughts about, you know, sex. And I, I remember going to a party and dancing with um, a boy for the first time and coming back and saying, you know, you, you, your friend stays with you and you're talking about who danced with who and everything. And, then I, and I was like, oh, we had this thing in his pocket, he had this thing in his pocket. And my friend was like, it must have been his keys and stuff. And just having my sister just lying in bed, just laughing, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, because just because I really didn't know anything at, at all, you know. So, just or the only thing I was told that is that you don't have sex and you stay away from boys, and everything was kind of like forbidden, 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 forbidden. There was nothing that it, which made me more curious. There was nothing that educated me about that. So I think we need to to think about that in different ways. I think we have to tell more stories about black girlhood. Um, I think black girlhood is is just tainted by the over-sexualization of, of young black women mm. and then also there's the sexualization of older black women as well. So we have, you know, the narrative on the outside is still around kind of shaming us into submission or into invisibility. And I think the more that we sit together and we tell stories the way that we do is a way of, of, of counterbalancing these these kinds of stories and talking about our wombs and talking about bodies mm. and talking about how our, our, our womb health and talking about you know and saying the thing you know word vagina and everybody not shrieking into the submission. I've got um, just as a little segue. I've got a, a social group that I um, run, which has been scuppered by COVID, but it's it's called um, Church Opera and the Side Piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, I was not expecting that. But I'll take it. It's great. So basically, it's a group for um, black women over fifty, and it, the the title comes from the the three options left to black women after fifty, because these were the things that came up over and over again when I was talking to when I was speaking either in session or in group work with older women. It's like they were either like forever on some inspiration or something, right? But never wanting to be that inspired person themselves, but just yeah. kind of God like looking at the person who's made it. So that's where the Oprah comes from. Yeah. Church, women who went to church every single day, hoping the, the pastor would cast his eye on them and perhaps something would happen there or maybe meet somebody at church. Mm. And then the side piece was that just that horrible zone where it's like nobody, Women over 50, black women over 50 are not looking at dating online. A lot of them, you know, finding it really too foreign. Um, so we're basically digging in the crates, going back to the, 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 some guy that they had something with a long time ago. He's now bored in his marriage. So they're all saying that they're okay because it's not permanent, but that it's not okay. It's not and okay. This group is about kind of challenging some of the taboos. We come together, we have a really good laugh. I talk mm. to them about what are the best vibrators to use over 50 because your vagina needs are different when you're over 50. We talk about, you know, dating when you're over 50. Are you settling? You know, we have a little expression called drink and squint. And that is basically when you're on dates and you're just getting drunk to make him fit because you're looking for a coffin partner. It's just like, we just try. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, <laughs> Goodness me. But the oh. thing is, right, you're laughing and you're laughing and maybe it hasn't come to a cinema yet. yet to I don't know this concept of own business. This is new for us in our forties. Where I think I said that to you on the weekend, Gloria. You know that we're the generation that our parents wasn't tech. Yeah. We kind of was like half non-tech, and then tech started to come in, and then the next generation was all about technology. So we were kind of that generation that was yeah. kind of floating. Well, that's, and that, yeah, absolutely. And that kind of just like leads me because what you're sort of saying is segueing into what I, I really want to ask and get us to, to focus on a little bit is that you know, about relationships nowadays um, being, uh, are they harder to find and maintain, um, especially with tech and like times of COVID, you know, how do you date when you're in lockdown? You know, how do you, these dating apps for women, black women, especially on dating apps. I mean, I can tell you all about that. That's very interesting. 
being exoticized on dating apps, you know, um, it, that's very interesting. Actually, one guy, what was his name again? Oh, my friends, I wish they were here. He said, um, I said in my profile that I liked, um, uh, I liked to, what would I order for the table? And I said something like oysters, um, dumplings and wine, 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 because that mm. I love that stuff. And then mm. some guy messaged me and he said, not curried goat. <laughs> oh, no. You know that like, my face just dropped. Like, I, I saw your face already. Like legit, he said not curry goat too or something like that. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm Nigerian, so that's not really what we eat. Secondly, um, why can't I just like oysters, dumplings, and wine? And wine, wine, wine. 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 <laughs> I thought he was gonna make a joke about the wine, wine, wine. That's what I thought. He <laughs> no, was no. I was like, okay, great. I mean, maybe he was just trying to connect, but that was a bad way. No, it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a, of a, of a stereotypical bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. A swipe. When you're talking about dating now, I think this seeing everybody all the time you know like the socials i feel that that makes it difficult because what happens is people make a decision on who you are um or what it is that you look like or whatever and that's how they've decided that's what you that's what that's who you are and so this notion of how it used to be where you kind of you know you hook up with you, you meet somebody you have a talk you're talking on the phone you're getting to know each other you arrange to go out here and whatever it is people are trying to fast forward <laughs> from because i've seen you online yeah you look kind of nice i see that you do this da, 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 that we're going to jump from here to there and that there's no work in between that mm -hmm. um and also people are so good at putting on masks as well because they're on these socials so you're not even really seeing who the real person is i mean there's lots of women up there that are really up there shaking it about that they're super confident and all this sort of stuff and that's just not who they are whatsoever Absolutely. we've got we've got the whappers meaning the, 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 the Cardi B and the, 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 the Megan Stallion. So, you know, you're trying to honor your body and they're like, make it pop, make it whatever it is. And you're like, well, I'm not really, I'm popping, but I don't want to pop it online. Lockdown, this is what I was saying about exposing- The genitals. Right, there was, um, there was a batty clap for the NHS on Instagram. Don't lie. <laughs> oh my God. And that is a skill. I can't lie. It is a skill. It is really right? a skill. But I don't know how they get there. You need to have some flesh there to make that happen. Wow, and lots of baby oil from what I could see. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I, I came across it by accident. I promise. Lies or lies. <laughs> And I sat there, like literally with my mouth open for about five minutes. And then I text my friend and I went, what am I really watching though? And she was like, what are you watching? And I said, batty clapping for the NHS. And she was like, are you for real? They were bag clapping so, for you, Dawn. For you know, I feel like they were. There was one girl where she had the phone angled one way and she had the, the radiator, was full, it was all cockeyed one side and the bed wasn't made and she had the, the, the bottle with the oil you know what? trying well, to pull it a, down so she could get the right amount of We laugh, but don't you find that, because also you in terms of being a, uh, a therapist and counsellor, Dawn, you know, um, you know that people, they've got a lot of their sexual trauma and I find yeah. that some women who have had sexual trauma that black women still find to talk about sometimes are the ones that go in really hard to, no, um, to, to, I know what they're trying to do. I know that they're trying to own their body back, but they've got themselves in this slightly cloudy arena of being over-sexual um, yes, and drawing the same types of attention back in. And then, and then you've got other women that are exploring their sensuality Mm. In, a, in a way but then the two's getting some people mixing up the two and what I'm talking about is discernment yes right if you do what you're doing then think about how that's going to affect you not even if anyone responds just for yourself mm -hmm. like how are you going to feel have discernment mm -hmm. so I <laughs> I did a kind of survival during lockdown um, feature on, on online, a little IG, and one of the one of the popular segments of the of the um, 
presentation was virtual pum pum. And it was just my way of getting people to wake up mm -hmm. to the fact that it feels great right now, but maybe if it falls into the wrong hands, maybe if it's shared with the wrong person, that maybe you're not going to feel so good about that. So discernment mm -hmm. about or around what it is that you're sharing online. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I, probably about 29, 29 coming into my 30s when I started to understand about these spiritual chords that are created, you know, when you sleep with people and what mm -hmm. happens, what that transfer of energy does, how it can affect your mind, how it can affect your soul, how it can affect your abundance, how it can, how it can affect your, pros you know, your prosperity, your mm -hmm. state of, your state of being. Yeah. I think that is something that I'd love to be able to cross over and talk more to our younger women about understanding it and then their power of their no, you know, and understanding what their chi energy is about because some people are going back to people that they shouldn't some people are not vetting the the spiritual body of people before they are getting into their relations, you know, and that cord cutting can that, that, sorry, saying connected spiritually to people can still last for years. That's why some people are, they're like 60 and some, you're still thinking about that person when you were 20 as yeah. ABCD and, and men, because I've got many male friends, we've talked about this as well, about what you're mm. depositing yeah because you know in the act of sex you know i know when i was younger when they're like it's mine tell me it's mine who's this that and the other but they, they, they're talking all this chat but you're chatting into me mm. you're speaking as you go into me you understand what i'm saying to you mm. and you don't always know what people are thinking in the back of your head and some guys are binding they're binding you they want you to still keep coming back to them no matter how they treat you no matter what's going on they want you to feel tired and it's also about the education of our men in that's not the only way to connect mm -hmm. you know it's part of the way that we need to connect mm -hmm. but you need to honor yourself too we need men to honor yourself because we are the receivers mm -hmm. but they have to be mindful about what they're putting their stuff into too because it can catch them out mm -hmm. and then be connected they then be messed up also so i think that with our younger the younger generation or just actually not even say younger generation i think across the board all different ages it's like you said we don't talk about these things enough but the psychological and spiritual implications of your sexual uh, connections mm -hmm. is massive. Yes. Yeah, you as a black woman, knowing what is happening. I mean, some women don't realize you're having womb issues because of this. Yeah, we were talking about fibroids and all of that, you know, and we were saying, I was saying I had one a couple of years ago. God, size of a grapefruit, or terrible, you know, and it's like interesting about when it started to grow in the demise of my relationship to my husband you know the last year of a very very difficult marriage you know why all of a sudden did this benign tumor start growing in an area that was so sort of like emotionally the core of my being and it was like my body was going hey honey shit ain't right <laughs> and you guys sort it out and it literally grew in my you know the lining of my uterus and that's something we were saying about what is that about for black women because you know one in three black women get fibroids you know why is that you know where does that come from you know well it's the suppression because i think that what happens is because maybe and this is not a diagnosis i understand diagnosis but spiritually i would have seen it that you know where you said you was coming towards the end so you're coming mm. towards the form of resolution or the conclusion mm -hmm. but you would have held and suppressed some other stuff and our womb we hold it we hold all that stuff there and as i said to you even though we are can be in these relationships that are coming to an end remember we go back to that angry angry pum pum again you're still having your relations your pum pum's probably vexed your womb's like, ah, oh, this is happening again. You know, I thought you lot were breaking up or whatever it is. If, you know, if it could speak or whatever it is. And then it gets to that point where you've then, you know, made your decisions that you're going your separate ways, whatever. And then the body goes, oh, and then it, so it all comes up. It all gets to come up for release because you wasn't, you didn't, you wasn't able to, or you didn't take the time to look at what was being stored mm. in there. It's a deposit. It's a depository, right? Our womb. Absolutely. And I, I think just to kind of expand on that as well, <clears throat> I'm also like really fascinated uh, with uh, the, the synergy between looking at mental health as a more kind of holistic thing 
where we're looking at the, the mind, body and spirit, which is actually more akin to uh, ways of dealing with mental distress for people who are from, again, from the diaspora or from the motherland. This is how we were looking after our mental health. It's not the, 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 the concept that it's all in the head is, is actually a very European or very mm. Eurocentric kind of thing. And one of the things that I have, have noticed and is noted when, you're, when I'm working with um, black women uh, is that we hold and we express a lot of our trauma and a lot of our pain in the body mm-hmm. as well. So a lot of our, our pain and our experiences is, 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 is somatized. And um, one of the things that I'm really um, quite fascinated in is the, is, the, is, the, is the movement of rocking. So normally rocking is really associated with uh, mental health imbalance. Mm-hmm. And it can be because of a neurological um, imbalance. However, <clears throat> I think about the way that we, we, move, we use rocking as black women. When we're sitting and we're speaking, you so see, you're doing it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we did. We, we, <laughs> we did. both do it. I think I went to, you know what, the minute you said it is the minute I wanted to rock, wanted to actually. Rock. And right. then it became a little, and then Gloria was, woo. Well, she yes. went straight in because actually we, de- we desire movement. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's something about us not being stuck up here. It's like it, it flows through the bodies. And when yeah. we, 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 we rock to, to self-soothe, we rock to show union, to create harmony, to create rhythm and movement. And movement means creativity when we are creative beings, right? Mm-hmm. We rock when we're in church. We rock when we feel the spirit's going to get us, okay? Mm. We rock when we, we have sorrow. We rock when we have joy. Mm-hmm. Right? There is something about that movement for us, right, that says to us, we can keep moving, we can keep going, we're alive, we are here, we are present, mm-hmm. rather than keeping us very solidly stuck in one position. Mm-hmm. And that is why I am a great believer that mental health in, uh, interventions have to have more movement to them. Mm-hmm. We have been stuck in the same interventions for decades. And each decade there comes out this massive government report that says the same stuff. Mm-hmm. There's never anything that's new suggested, you know, Chi, uh, maybe the way that you work or <clears throat> the other ways that I work as well. I'm also a sound bath healing therapist. I'm also mm-hmm. a santera. I'm also a priest. Oh. So there are all different ways that we can work to get healing. And I, and I understand that the government are not going to throw a, a load of money around stuff that they don't really understand. But you cannot keep saying that... Um, Black men are at the top of, of mental health figures. And then four years ago, when I started up my black women's and psychotherapy group, black women were topping mental health interventions for the first time, a race that we don't want to be winning. Mm. Right? And it's the same thing over and over again. It's got a really circular, na- circular nature to it. We, we can't keep throwing the same interventions at the same problems and having the same um, outcomes and going, I, I don't really understand why it's not working. There are different, we as black peoples have different ways of looking after each other and we need to explore them. But we don't only need to explore them in the face of the, the, the outer world. The, the saying when one of your fingers points out of you, three fingers point back. Mm-hmm. What can we do within our communities? What can mm-hmm. us three women do to make a change? Yeah. How can we heal each other? These mm-hmm. things are really important in terms of how, you know, the healing that we're looking in terms of understanding our bodies and how they function. What I've really just from this last little bit of, of, of chat that I've, I've been um, pulling my mind around and being, I think going back to your womb, um, sort of analogy and metaphor and, and uh, lived experience in your letter um, right round has taken us in a full circle uh, to, to now with this idea of what and Dawn you said it as well you're letting in to your body um, you know um, you know even though we're sort of laughing and joking and you know you know and please don't anyone feel ashamed if you did booty clap you know <laughs> for the NHS yeah no judgment you know, no judgment at all because you know this is with sisters sort of just chatting a- around this stuff but I think fundamentally we're talking about um, owning our bodies 
the womb, that special sacred space that creates life. Um, we all came from one, you know, that we have inside of ourselves and, and cherishing that and the seed of what that is. Um, and, and again, as this podcast just seems to do every single week about self-love and caring for that, um, you know, because, you know, Dawn, you're talking about people going inwards and the space you know being in our uh, being sent to our bedrooms by the government you know um and then what that releases out and then our inner child and who that is and fundamentally it's all about care for yourself (laughs) and cherish yourself and and the the goodness that is inside whether or not it's challenging but not to give it away so easily Listen, I am just, oh God, I feel like I'm going to cry. Oh, <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed by this whole experience and the fact that, you know, such amazing women have been so honest and brave and, um, you know, both of your letters, you know, and all of the women that have written their letters this season have just been really beautiful and it's, um, oh, begging for I'm crying now <laughs> this is beautiful but you know what your tears is even beautiful because these are the moments you know and yeah. this this is the healing mm-hmm. that we've all get we'll all go off and be sit here and be, and, and feel something from this yeah. and when you're talking about solutions this is what we have to do I think all of us here have taken the leap in some way shape or form in our own sectors of work or are we've chosen no actually a, a better way is that we've chosen to within ourselves to stand up and step up for ourselves that, mm-hmm. and then it stepped out into what we do. Yes. Yeah. And we've created, that's right. We've created, because I believe, I believe all three of us here, we do the work. Yeah. We, we know what we're doing with ourselves. And once we've done it for ourselves, the overflow we is what we are giving out. You know, one thing I want to say is, is that the reason why I like spaces like this, and thank you so much for creating this space is because I have never met, another race of people who are more or another group of people who are more joyous than black women we are so joyous okay our laughter the way that we move the comments that we make there's no conversation like black girl conversation that's all i can say and in my i I think it was the horror that it was for the nhs rather than the booty (laughs) when most people were going outside their doors I just found that the other version quite, uh, quite shocking. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to say that. But I think also these are the conversations that we should be allowed to have quite freely and that we can laugh at ourselves as well and laugh at each other, laughing at the things that we, we, found, we find shocking. So more conversations like this, never going to be enough time for conversations like this. I mean, every topic, everything that you threw at it, Gloria, today could have been open tenfold. Every answer you gave to you opened up another, another version of what can be spoken about. And I just hope that at some point one day we get to have this again, we meet again and do it in, in, in person. Cause I think Listen, that is going to be season two. I'm d- like, come the spring come february march we will be sitting down and doing it face to face and hopefully eating some tasty treats from like i don't know some black owned businesses mm. that might you no know goat. no curry goat <laughs> just wine 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 just wine 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 <laughs> So what I want to do before we completely wrap up is just ask you to let us know what you've got coming up. You know, I know times of COVID are all a bit, you know, everyone's a bit insular and trying to find ways of reaching out. But, you know, what do you have coming up? Um, How can people find you? Um, Because I know for a fact that people listening to this are going to be hitting you up. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, what's coming up for you? Um, Right. So I don't really have much coming up every now and again I'll get the inspiration and I might be doing you know there might be something that I'll do around healing most stuff is I'm doing around healing so I did a lot of stuff on the mother wound the father wound the inner child wound 
uh, you know, a month or two ago, um, I took a little rest. I'm back to doing um, spiritual readings and mentor mentors. So my sessions with people is just, it's called the Chia's journey within. So it's more about how you're connecting with self, with a spiritual element. Um, so it's good because I've started to have a little bit more clients, you know, monthly clients, people realize that, you know what, it's nice to have someone to buddy me along on my spiritual journey. And then I've also got personal healing sessions, you know, like one-to-one -one where I put people in a bit of a deep state of meditation because people need rest. You need rest before you can actually understand how to deal with your stuff. Um, but just look out. I'd, I'd say just follow Chia Phoenix. Some days I'm on there dancing. Some days I'm on there talking. Sometimes I'm on there with kids. Sometimes I'm on there doing whatever. And then also I do a shout out to the Palace of the Dogs. Yes, you must. That is a creative activist um, organization that I'm a part of. And, you know, everything that we put out is just giving voice to who we are and narratives from people like us, you know. Um, so, yeah, just... Just, just follow and say holler in it. Yeah. I'm gonna follow. I'm following Gloria. I'm going. I'm going to be following Gloria now. And following. Exactly. I'm, I'm ready to get your handles too. Yeah. So what's so what's going on for you, Dawn? Right, I've got. I'm not very good at this stuff. But literally, my girl who looks after all my nonsense is just like, if you don't do this, I'm gonna kill you. So my handle is on Instagram, Dawn Estefan Psych. Um, coming up, I'm not sure when this show goes out, but coming up um, next week, Wednesday, I'll be uh, chairing the second of a series of events that I do for Dance Umbrella. So it's for creatives. Great. And we'll be looking at how the events of 2020 have impacted on the lives of women of colour in the arts. Awesome. So both of you are in the arts. Yeah. Tickets are free. So if you go onto the Dance Umbrella website or go to Dance Umbrella Digital Festival and nice. uh, you'll be able to download your tickets, please spread the word. Um, as you mentioned, I've had a nomination from the, the, the Baton Awards um, thought finalists, whatever. And um, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that I win, actually. I don't really care about these things, but I, I am hoping that I win because it's a win for all the women that I work with. These things, unfortunately, are important when we, when we need funding etc so you know uh, come on give me the award if anyone's listening and what else am i up to i think that's about it i'm always on the bbc on bbc talks one extra basically this weekend i'll be on there talking about uh, domestic violence and i think that's it oh and next week i'll be talking about black love and bumble <laughs> I love Listen, it. I'm writing it. I'm writing it all it's, down. She cheers, writing it all down. I told you the list is endless. I this lady is insane. Well, listen, ladies, thank you so oh, and much. I'm following Chia. I don't think well, Gloria. I'm already following you. And, yeah. And later on next year, me and Chia and Gloria will be doing something. We will be definitely <laughs> doing something for down for that. Uh, we will be back next year with a proper full-on roundtable letter to a black girl signing out you can find us on instagram at letter to a black girl and on twitter at ltabg pod if you have any letters poems music or musings that you would like to share then please do get in touch via the email link in our instagram bio we'd love to hear from you from the finest tree girl you're the one second to none open let your voice be free